everybody, and welcome to this, the first episode of the Tourist Camping and Four-Wheel Drive Adventures podcast. Over time, we hope to feature a variety of interviews and chats with lots of interesting people on the subject of four-wheel drive touring, camping and travel. And we hope that you enjoy this initial episode where we interview Farron Revoltos, founder of Navigator. Farron has travelled the world since a very young age as a child with his parents, and in more recent years as an avid explorer and a fan of travel and four-wheel drive touring. He speaks six languages and reckons that it's easier for him to count the countries he has not yet been to than those that he has. In this episode, Farhan shares a little bit of his history and background and his travel experiences, and he explains for us the important differences between on-road and off-road navigation, and also tells the story of how he came to found his company Navigator, which makes top-quality, robust off-road navigation systems. Hello, Farhan. Welcome to the podcast. This is our first episode, so it's a very special one for us as well. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Of course. Uh, my name is uh, Ferran Revoltos. Uh, I'm the owner and uh, the developer of uh, the devices uh, we are selling now. Uh, in fact, uh, what we what we uh, started doing is uh, making our own devices for our own use in the beginning. Uh, so that's where the story started. Uh, we, we were not satisfied what, with what we got on the market. And uh, because uh, I am an inventor, uh, finally, uh, we, if I don't have something, I just try to do it myself. So that's where it all started. Uh, my passion with uh, traveling, with four by four motorcycles, or wh- whatever uh, it might be, the the uh, the support, uh, in fact, uh, leads that uh, at a certain time, uh, more than twenty years ago, uh, I started making my own uh, devices because at that time uh, GPSs were not uh, map GPSs. Uh, they just saw uh, showed uh, your, your position, or, uh, and uh, that's all. And then you ha- have to transfer that, that position into a, a paper map. So that's where it all began. Can I ask what prompted you to decide to start to make your own devices? Was it the lack of anything available out there to, that meet your requirements, or or what started you on that path? Well, uh, tw- twenty years ago, the the GPS is just. Uh, could show you your your position uh, or instead show you the coordinates of your position so that should be transferred to to a map at that time uh, there were the very beginning of uh, the pdas and uh, or, uh, let's say portable devices uh, as we uh, uh, all have now as tablets uh, they were at the very beginning at that time and uh, merging the uh, GPS, the software, the cartography, and uh, the device itself, the, the let's say the screen, uh, or what for most people would be just the screen. In fact, uh, merging that four, those four uh, uh, elements together uh, becomes a, a, a navigator as, as we all know now, but uh, that did not exist 20 years ago. So uh, that, that's how the thing began. You're obviously very passionate about adventure traveling. C- can you tell me a little bit about where you think this passion might have come from? 
Well, uh, my, my family uh, has been always uh, uh, involved in traveling, basically for business. Uh, nowadays, uh, we, we all can take a, 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 a low-cost plane to go anywhere, but uh, 20, 30 years ago, that was not the case. And uh, I used to travel a lot for, for, my, for, my, for my job and uh, this was also a heritage from my family. My father used to be uh, a salesman, an importer from machinery from all over Europe into Spain. And uh, I, was, I was lucky to, to, to be raised in a, in a foreign school, in a French school. So uh, talking languages is one of the key things to to be uh, more uh, turn into traveling. So that's why, in fact, uh, we I was raised in a in a family where traveling was, let's say, uh, things that happen every day. So, uh, uh, and nowadays, uh, traveling is let's say something which is uh, more common, and uh, it's also let's say, a fashion, let's say, but it was not in the past. It was more for business, for, for, uh, for uh, let's say, business uh, requirements that it was uh, uh, my main job, in fact. You told me earlier that you've been traveling for over 30 years. Where have you been so far? Well, uh, basically all over Europe. Uh, there are a few countries in Europe that I have not been there and uh, but also uh, I have been to North and South America to uh, uh, Africa basically to Northern Africa and lately also to Asia so uh, let's say that uh, there are more um, uh, or, or there are less and less places uh, where I have not been yet but uh, the list is still long, so the, the, there are places that I I, w I wish I, I could travel not for business but uh, for pleasure, which is the the uh, the inter interesting thing. Of all of your four wheel drive touring expeditions, what for you were the most memorable? Whoa, the, I would say that one of the uh, uh, peak. Uh, uh, travels were uh, crossing uh, Libya. Uh, it was about 10 years ago, uh, not uh, a long time before uh, Libya was in, 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 uh, in trouble. And uh, the amazing thing that is that, that this country is uh, it's enormous, it's huge, and uh, we didn't see people for days. So you, you were crossing uh, the deserts, several deserts, uh, and maybe in two, three days, you didn't see a uh, soul, not even animals. So uh, the, that, that's, uh, that's impressive. Uh, the, the, the amazing thing is that uh, on those places, you're on your own and you're alone absolutely alone so uh, you just can count on yourself and those who are around you and that on oh, those who came with you and uh, the immensity of uh, the desert uh, is uh, 
is impressive and uh, this attaches a lot and you know uh, those who have been to the desert uh, really understand what I mean. That sounds amazing and uh, did you have any problems during your trip or was it all plain sailing so to speak? No, uh, uh, I, I have to say that luckily the, uh, uh, the group was compact. We were uh, five vehicles, uh, 10 people, uh, and uh, the guide, uh, the, uh, six, a sixth vehicle. And uh, we didn't have, well, minor problems that can arise in a, in a, tra in a trip like this, but nothing really important. If, if you leave home uh, with the, the, the car uh, in good shape and uh, with certain minor things uh, done, you shouldn't be in trouble. But anyway, uh, things can happen, uh, accidents can happen, and, but uh, fortunately it was not the case and uh, the, the trouble was, let's say, close to perfect. And have you been on any trips where you actually did uh, run into trouble? Uh, luckily, we didn't have uh, any big uh, accidents anywhere, but I crashed once in, in Morocco. But, you know, uh, it's just a time of being patient. And uh, uh, in a way or another, you, you always go back home. So uh, as long as you're not, you're not injured, uh, let's say, Mechanical problems are minor problems on those cases. What advice would you give to people who have no experience in overland traveling who might be interested in setting out on a trip like that? Well, well, the, the, the most important thing is to know uh, your, your uh, to, to be aware on how your gear uh, performs. Uh, your car has to be in good shape. You have to have uh, uh, a sufficient level of driving. Uh, you you always learn during your trips new things, but uh, the important thing is not to to try to go too fast and uh, to to accomplish uh, uh, goals uh, too too soon. Uh, if you are if you try to uh, to learn uh, on how your uh, vehicle behaves and how your your uh, also uh, the people surrounding you uh, behaves. Then the the the, the trips are, are better. Uh, if you go uh, and uh, you don't have uh, paid attention to to the to your car to uh, your gear, then you will have problems for sure. But uh, even if you did did have a uh, the, the, the time to to uh, check everything things can happen but if you uh, leave home uh, without having checked everything then things will happen and apart from having your vehicle in good repair and obviously you know having a good navigation device which we'll come back to in a, in a little while what other equipment would you consider to be essential before to have on board before setting out on a trip like this well, a good uh, tires, good suspension, uh, which are the basic things. Uh, then the rest, uh, having uh, 
uh, uh, a heavy vehicle and uh, plenty of uh, uh, just-in-case things on your car uh, are not a good uh, option. So, uh, you know, you, you learn over the years uh, what is worth, what is worthless. And uh, in fact, you should uh, you should start a, a, a trip uh, with the uh, essentials, not having everything just in case, uh, because uh, all the just in case are too heavy. And, uh, and it also depends on wh where you are traveling to. So it's not the same if you're going north to cold countries uh, where mud is uh, m quite common, uh, or if you go south and then you go to places where uh, the heat is the problem, the sand is the problem. So uh, according to that, your car and your gear should be adapted to, to those conditions. So there, uh, it's not worth having uh, uh, plenty of things that uh, are not going to be used during the trip. So uh, that, that's the essential. Knowing where you are, knowing where you go, and knowing what you, what you need. When we were talking before the show, you said to me a little bit earlier that you prefer to use vehicles that are a little bit older rather than new vehicles, or, or did I misunderstand you? Well, uh, it's not because they're old that they're better. Uh, it's, it's because new cars or modern vehicles uh, tend to be, uh, let's say, overloaded with electronics and uh, with uh, uh, useless uh, devices that uh, you, you should not uh, take any, any profit when you are uh, in, uh, in remote countries where your car is too sophisticated and uh, where uh, local mechanical cannot repair. In fact, uh, uh, cars that are more than uh, 15 years old uh, do have less uh, electronics, are simple, and can be repaired by anyone. If you take a, a brand new car, don't matter what uh, how how uh, how expensive the car might be, but uh, there are there are too many electronic uh, devices inside that can uh, run the 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 adventure wrong. So I honestly believe that modern cars, European modern cars or uh, Western uh, cars, are not suitable for those uh, for those uh, trips. So. Uh, it's not because a 15-year-old car is better than a new car. It's because it's not going to be reliable. Uh, a new car is not going to be reliable in a, in a difficult uh, situations and cannot be repaired neither. Do you have any specific advice in terms of uh, planning routes for maybe people who aren't that experienced in off-road traveling, using your devices, or just in preparation that they can make before setting out on a trip? Uh, of course, uh, uh, navigating uh, or uh, knowing how uh, uh, a navigator works, uh, not only ours, uh, any, any navigation device uh, which is worth for the, 
for the uh, wild, for the adventure, uh, is a, a tool of safety, in fact. It helps you to learn and understand where you are, where you're going, what's left and what's, what's done. So uh, finally, wherever you are, you know uh, your position and uh, you know if it's better to go uh, ahead or back. Uh, if you don't uh, uh, control the, the, your your situation, then you're you're more or less you are lost anywhere you are. It doesn't matter if you're far away from home or not. Uh, if you if you really understand uh, what a, a navigation uh, device is, uh, it allows you to have at least the confidence on what you've done, when, where you've gone through, and eventually if you can go back or not. Uh, in fact, uh, going back to, the, to my trip uh, to Libya, uh, I was in charge, which was obvious in that case, uh, of the navigation. Uh, although we had a, a guide, we, uh, we knew where we wanted to go through. And uh, at certain points, we, we had to tell the, the, the guide that we were going south, not east, or uh, in other directions, because we wanted to cross the, the, the desert through uh, certain paths. Uh, obviously, uh, I had never been there, and, uh, but I knew uh, where, where I could go through and uh, how to cross certain sections uh, if you're just following someone else doesn't doesn't mean uh, it has to be a guide but someone else is uh, is guiding the group and you don't know uh, where you are uh, honestly in those cases I, I feel lost uh, even if I'm close home so uh, you know uh, navigation is a uh, a safety device, basically. Thank you. And uh, could you perhaps explain to me, you know, and perhaps for people who are listening who mightn't have used an off-road navigation device, what the main differences are between using a normal on-road GPS and an off-road navigation system? Of course. Uh, uh, most uh, people uh, know what a, what a uh, navigation device is. And they just have to set an address and it uh, drives you there uh, through, I don't know, the the easiest way, the shortest way, the fastest way. It's up to you to to choose the, the way the navigator is going to to uh, calculate the, the the path or, or the route you're going to take. But uh, if you're uh, out of the tarmac and uh, you want to to explore uh, on on unpaved roads or even where there are no roads at, at all. Uh, the thing is that uh, the important uh, term in, is where you are and where you've been through and if you, if you can uh, prepare the, the, uh, the, the journey and uh, know at every second where you are and how you've been uh, going through those places and uh, normally uh, this is done with what's in uh, GPS 
terms called the track. In fact, the track shows you the path you've been following uh, during a journey, and uh, you show, and it shows your position on top of a map, a map that is normally a topographic map, not not a road map uh, like a, a Michelin map or uh, things like that. Uh, in maps where you you see trails, where you see small uh, paths, even uh, unpaved roads, or even places where there are nothing but uh, an open space, like in the desert, you can uh, sh you can uh, know uh, at a with a precision of one meter where you are and where you have to go through. And uh, even in uh, open spaces like uh, in the desert, there are uh, so some uh, parts where you you have to to point in less than uh, than uh, 30, 40 meters to get to the right place. Otherwise, there is no uh, way to go through. Other than that, a uh, uh, navigation system for uproad uh, Re, uh, register where you're doing. So uh, there is a track log of what you're doing. You can also create uh, waypoints, which mean uh, places you want to go to or where you got you have to to uh, a to have a certain reference, like for instance, a place where you can uh, have a, uh, a rest or where you have a, I don't know, uh, a peak, uh, uh, or a river or whatsoever. So in fact, uh, a navigation system for road does not allow you to do this. So normally the software for one thing or the other, for off-road and road are radically different. They don't even share, uh, they might not even share the, the same maps. So the information you have on both are radically different. You spoke before about some of the factors that led you to decide to make your own navigation systems, but you were quite an innovator using quite a, quite a range of different components from other industries to create your first navigator. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about the development of your first devices. So, uh, uh, as I was telling before, uh, I started doing my own GPSs at the time where uh, this kind of uh, devices did not exist. Uh, in fact, it was just the the uh, the, the beginning of uh, the area uh, of the, uh, the the tablets. Uh, in fact, at that time, uh, those uh, unit devices were not called uh, tablets yet. It was uh, it was called uh, uh, web pads or uh, uh, the first things that we could have was. Uh, uh, I don't know if you remember this, the uh, compact iPad from HP, uh, uh, nothing to do with with Apple. Uh, it was from HP. And uh, at that time, the very first uh, PDAs were uh, small uh, devices with a 3.5 inch screen uh, with a touchscreen. And uh, at that time, uh, Microsoft uh, released a new version uh, of uh, operating system called the uh, Pocket PC, later on call, called uh, Windows CE. And uh, 
with this operating system, in fact, uh, we were able to, to put together uh, a navigation software, a GPS a receiver, and uh, also the, the, the hardware. It, it only uh, required at that time uh, to, uh, to find out how to, to create and put together the fourth uh, element, which is the map. And uh, at that time, it was quite complicated. We had to buy a paper map, scan it, and uh, the worst uh, part of it is it was uh, learning how to calibrate a map because uh, it's not only having the uh, the, the map uh, scanned in a picture, but also to refer the uh, the, uh, the GPS position into the map. And uh, once that was done, uh, and it was not a, a short uh, way to get it, uh, we could have the overall uh, system. Uh, but the problem was that the screen uh, was still something very tiny, uh, 3.5 inches. So obviously, uh, nowadays with a uh, with phones where normally you get uh, six inches, seven inches in a, in a phone, uh, or, or let's say anything under five inches is a small uh, smartphone. So you can imagine that 3.5, in fact, becomes something like half the size of a, of a regular uh, smartphone of nowadays. And, uh, but the next step, which was in fact the uh, the, the key to get into uh, something uh, different, was that uh, I found out a device uh, from Siemens uh, that was developed for the uh, medical and hospital uh, uh, field, and it was already an eight inches uh, device. Uh, but it was by no means intended to be used as a GPS. So the, uh, the interesting thing that uh, was how to uh, convert something which does not have any uh, connection to a GPS uh, uh, become a, a navigation system. So I had to learn a lot about communication between a GPS device and uh, and uh, this uh, sort of a uh, primitive uh, tablet uh, and put everything together. And uh, finally, I got something working, not in a short time anyway, but uh, I finally could uh, make the whole system work as I I would uh, I would have liked to to do, and uh, but that was just the beginning, and that was just for my own use, and uh, that's where where it all began. That sounds like a fascinating journey. Um, but what made you decide to take the step from designing a device for yourself to to deciding to start to create a commercial product? Like many other things in life. Uh, one thing 
brings you to the other and uh, and uh, without uh, aiming to to do so uh, you you finish uh, in a in a different place where where, where you wanted to to be or what what not was not intended to be uh, in fact uh, after doing that uh, proud of myself of uh, doing something that did not exist first uh, I showed this to a, a friend of mine who's who, who has a, a workshop uh, here in Barcelona and uh, uh, this guy was uh, following the uh, the the Dakar rally uh, it was on the uh, 2004, uh, 2004, and uh, he asked me if if I could do something similar for him, just to to know where he was all over the the trip down to to uh, to Dakar, and uh, well, we started collecting all the parts. Uh, uh, I had to found to find another device like mine and in fact it was not easy because uh, that device was discontinued by by uh, Siemens and uh, at that time there was no eBay's or uh, whatsoever so it was very complicated to get it uh, but uh, we succeeded and uh, in fact the amazing thing is that uh, the uh, this friend of mine uh, took his device to uh, Dakar, and uh, it it worked all over the the, the rally. So uh, the confidence he got on it was enormous. And uh, <clears throat> since he he has a a, a wide range of uh, of customers uh, in his workshop, uh, he started showing this to to uh, to their to his customers and. Uh, Little by little, uh, I, I got requests to to do this again and again. But as I said, the uh, the Siemens device was not available anymore, and uh, that's where I, I started searching uh, through internet, through uh, exhibitions, and so on, uh, uh, devices that could do the job. But it was a long, uh, a long time there, uh, and uh, we we couldn't find things like uh, that easy as we can find now. Uh, now nowadays you can get uh, a device, uh, a, a tablet anywhere, uh, but at that time it did not exist. So uh, things went slow, and uh, I made uh, some more devices on different supports, and. Uh, Later on, on uh, 2009, uh, I finally got the device uh, that was able to do the entire thing. In the meantime, I have bought I don't I don't dozens of uh, of devices that were not worth the the the, the job. Uh, but finally, I, I found a, a one that could could do the thing. So uh, what I did that there is uh, uh, I started buying a few units. Well, first of all, one single unit to test it. 
then a few units, and uh, finally in 2009, December 2009, we uh, we finally ordered the, the first mast production, and on January the 1st, uh, 2010, we released our first uh, navigators with two T's uh, device. So uh, th that's where uh, the navigator uh, name and uh, product began in 2010. Very good. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your existing range of navigator systems? Okay, so uh, in fact, we started uh, with the Camel 7. Uh, it was a 7-inch device. Uh, two years later, uh, once the, the device was proved and, uh, and, and uh, the evolution of the market uh, could handle it, we shipped into an uh, 8-inches device which was the Camelate. And uh, the Camelate has been our main product for uh, seven years now. And, uh, but uh, when, uh, when, when we saw that uh, there, are, there were other markets where uh, we could also be uh, present, uh, we started working on the motorcycles uh, devices. So uh, nowadays we already have uh, another device, which is the Yak 5, uh, which is a, a rugged and uh, waterproof device uh, foreseen for basically motorcycles, quads, and buggies. And uh, now we are going to release the, uh, the very last one, which is the Fox 7, which is also uh, uh, a device on uh, rugged construction waterproof and uh, it will have a screen of seven inches able to be used in motorcycles in uh, 4x4 and also on uh, buggies or uh, or uh, in quads so it will be let's say uh, in all fields uh, worth for, for the navigation and obviously always working both on road and off road which is always our main uh, uh, goal is that our devices are not only off road there they can take you also uh, from an address into another thanks and uh, I guess this is a, a related question but what types of maps would you recommend using for off road navigation well, with our devices, we provide uh, the maps free of charge, uh, and uh, any owner of a, a navigator uh, device, from navigator we mean, uh, can request the maps they need. So uh, we've been using several sources of uh, maps, uh, former maps used to be basically military maps, uh, for instance, from the French army, from the uh, British army, from the American army, and also from the Russian army. But uh, the thing has been 
widely open lately and uh, nowadays <clears throat> other than than the military maps we also use for instance in Spain we have the IGN maps which are free and uh, we can use them with our device so th those are real topographic maps as the military were and uh, but nowadays we also have plenty of other sources like uh, uh, OpenStreetMaps. We can also download from Google or from, or from other sources like uh, Bing, for instance, where you have uh, uh, both topographic maps and you can also have uh, uh, satellite images or aerial images. So uh, this allows you to shift from uh, topographic maps or uh, satellite images and have different uh, scales on on the maps and different let's say details or resolutions on those maps uh, nowadays open street maps and uh, open topo maps and some let's say uh, versions of those uh, made by uh, third party uh, associations uh, allow to have maps from almost all over the world so uh, anywhere you go you can always have a, a map and uh, you can get it from from navigator in fact one of the essential uh, elements in your uh, in your vehicle has to be the navigation in some cases we invest uh, a lot of money in devices that might not be worth uh, uh, like I don't know uh, I, I wouldn't like to say a thing particularly but the important thing is that navigation allows you to to know where you are so uh, it doesn't matter if you go far or not but uh, having one important thing that is knowing where you are is one of the key things in 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 a travel, and uh, in fact, uh, some in some cases you you see people uh, having a very let's say crowded car uh, with plenty of a uh, uh, rack roof uh, uh, roof tents. Uh, snorkels, uh, a winch, and plenty of things that you might not be using or that are not worth it. And uh, for not a lot of money, in fact, you have the, a, a navigation device which makes your, your trip safer than anything. So that's something that uh, most people should consider before starting a uh, a journey uh, even in if you're uh, trying to go to to uh, remote places where you have not uh, even where you don't even know uh, the, 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 the places you you're going to go through don't forget that uh, we 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 started doing things because we we need it for ourselves so we we developed our products based on our experience and uh, 
that's the important uh, thing and the, the key thing on on all of that is that finally uh, we we created the tool based on our on, on our requirements so uh, finally uh, it, it's not something that we just created uh, we, we we did it because we need it and uh, uh, that means that when you're going to travel uh, you, you need to have your <clears throat> your own tools those things that uh, help you to be safe and and to go ahead during your trip so that's that way why we did them and uh, that's the important key thing on that that's great thank you very much Fran. it's a fascinating story and a fascinating journey that you've had and uh, thank you very much as well for being our first podcast guest we uh, hope you enjoyed it it's been really great having you on here um finally is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners before you go uh well we we are uh, present in most of the exhibitions all over europe in france and germany basically but we have also been to uh exhibiting in in places in other places like italy or uh in uh, in Spain, for instance, and uh, if you come and meet us, we will be pleased to to uh, to to share our our experience and your experience uh, together. So let, let's let's meet somewhere. Uh, we are wide open, and you are also welcome at our uh, headquarters here in Barcelona, which which is a nice place to come. Thank you very much. And we'll, in the text on our webpage on, in the magazine, we'll link to your website so no, people know where to find you. Yes, uh, you can visit our website, www.navigator.com. And uh, you can also email us at mail at navigator.com. Thanks very much, Fern. Goodbye. You're welcome, Mark. Have a nice day. Bye.